This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. And we welcome in an old friend, someone familiar to all of you, uh, really good guy, great writer, of course, his NFL pedigree, second to none, and that is Mr. Vinny Bonsignor, beat writer for the Raiders at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Vinny, it's been too long, man. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So let's jump in, and I want to start with this team. We'll get into the game early uh, in a second here. Uh, but I want to start, first of all, in your game story, you talked about kind of how the team did in this game, not by the end of the score or the stats or anything like that, but in the way in which they played, the dynamic, as you called it, which I, I loved. And then I take it a step further, a step up, which is the idea around the culture that this regime in, in the Raiders organization, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels are trying to build, that doesn't happen overnight. We saw some of the growing pains with it last year. Talk a little bit about overall being out there every day, covering the team through OTAs, now through training camp. What's the overall feel? Do you feel a palpable difference out there? Yeah, it does feel a little bit different. I mean, I think we're seeing some of the things that they're making intentional in terms of um, what they're prioritizing, what they're emphasizing. And this goes all the way back. I remember having a conversation with somebody um, not long after Derek Carr got uh, benched and you know it was sort of a reflective looking looking over the the season to that point and and really more than that looking ahead in terms of what the raiders felt like they were lacking what the raiders felt like they needed what they felt they needed to to really prioritize and emphasize uh this year going into you know next year being this year um not just in terms of emphasizing it and talking about it and making their priority but go finding players that you know, embody some of the things that they were looking for, being more disruptive uh, on defense, making plays defensively, making impact plays defensively, um, you know, uh, being smarter in certain areas of the game, whether it's defensively or with playing with more poise uh, offensively and in key moments of the game. And, uh, you know, I think throughout training camp, um, I, I feel like we've seen a smoother operation, a more efficient operation on both sides of the ball and certainly on defense, uh, the ability to to get pressure on the quarterback and you know make plays on on the back end. We saw a whole bunch of turnovers or interceptions earlier in training camp against themselves. And then uh, Thursday and Friday, with the 49ers being in town, I think there were 11 interceptions. I believe mm-hmm. um, that doesn't just happen. And some of those were were good, well well thrown balls. It was just players making plays on the ball. Um, and it's something again that they've emphasized uh, and and really driven home to the players and you hear them talking about it you hear them parroting it you see it 
you know, on the practice field. We saw it uh, in the game on, on Sunday, you know, getting pressure on the quarterback. I think it were four sacks, uh, five quarterback hits. You know, you, uh, there were there were two uh, takeaways, both of them in the red zone. Uh, the efficiency that they were talking about, there were four or four in the red zone converting, you know, touchdowns on trips there. Uh, and I think three, three uh, uh, penalties, which is manageable. Uh, so everything that they were talking about for one day came to fruition, but it was really kind of a culmination of what we've been seeing throughout camp. What's interesting too here, and this is not, you know, we're not going to get into the rehashing of the the Derek Carr stuff here, but Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, you have a change at the guard there, right? You have somebody else coming in, and uh, again, it's nothing against the player who's left. Hopefully he goes on and has a great career in New Orleans, but at the same time, it's a different feel, uh, and that's the quarterback. It's the most position, more in, most important position in the NFL. What is it about Garoppolo that is, that is different, that has this team kind of in a different set of a mindset, I should say, coming in when they're when they're thinking about him being the kind of leader of that offense. Yeah, I mean it's hard to quantify that yet. We just haven't seen it out there, uh, you know, in an actual game. Uh, you know, I, I I think if you're a Raider fan, you have to like about you have to like how players are describing uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, commenting about his calm demeanor, um, his leadership, uh, the, the type of person he is in the locker room, um, you know, somebody that I think players really respond to. Uh, but until we actually see it on the uh, on, on the field, to me, that's just all kind of speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that um, within the Raiders building, they feel like there's the possibility of a little bit more efficiency, better play in the red zone. He's a, statistically been a better quarterback than Derek Carr in the red zone. We'll find out pretty quick whether that was circumstance that both quarterbacks were playing with, or maybe there's something that Jimmy G does uh, a little bit better in that area of the field. Um, so I, that's something to, to be seen. Um, but, you know, I, I look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I feel like they feel they can win with him. Hmm. How much they can win with him, that's going to be determined by a lot of other factors, including the talent around him and how good is this defense. Um, but they feel like if those components – you know, start performing at a, at a, at a higher level, especially defensively, they feel like they can, they can win games and potentially play for a playoff spot. When we're talking about Super Bowls and championships, I don't, I can't sit here and say the Raiders believe that they uh, are where they want to be um, from a roster standpoint, or even the quarterback standpoint uh, to really be a perennial championship caliber team. And, and, you know, uh, I can't stress enough how, 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 not just badly they want to get to that point, but that's really what this whole thing is all about. It's not about sneaking into the playoffs. It's not about playing pretty good and maybe being a wild card team. Of course, they're going to, if that's what their ceiling is this year, they would happily uh, accept that. But in in the whole bigger picture of it, they want to be a team that everybody looks at from year to year and says, that's how it's done. That's who we have to beat. The Raiders are one of those teams that, um, you always have to talk about in terms of, of Super Bowls and championships and AFC championship games. Um, and it's they're, they're not there yet, uh, but that's where they want to get to. And that's what the intent is. And that's what the objective is. Yeah, Vinny, we, we live in a time of instant gratification, right? And listen, 
Raider fans will argue with me and say, hey, okay, it's been 30 plus years. Uh, That's not instant gratification. But the past is the past. You can't control that. All you can do is look forward and decide what kind of organization you're going to build. And from a leadership standpoint, if you're going to build a perennial winner, you you can't start with a soft foundation. You have to have a foundation first. And I love what you said about just not sneaking into the playoffs because that might be gratifying right now. Let's say if you're a fan or whoever. But long term, that's not what you want because that doesn't last. And you look at that and we go to Sunday's game and in your story, you talked about it. You said, quote, the manner in which they achieved the victory is a different story. It reflected an urgency and importance the Raiders have placed on the core group of dynamics they believe essential to long term success. So just parroting mm-hmm. what you said. But when you look at this game, that's why I know a lot of fans are leery saying, well, it's just one preseason game. That's absolutely true. But you're starting to see some of the, what they want to build reflected in some of that early play, at least through one small sample size on the field. Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, it was funny. I got a bunch of texts uh, throughout the game yesterday. And one was from uh, an NFL uh, team executives in uh, elsewhere. Um, and, and, and what the gist of, of, of the text was is that, you know, if the fans would just kind of chill out a little bit and, and, and be patient. <laughs> They may actually see that you know Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels um, are pretty good at what they do, and 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 are going to be able to get this thing you know turned around. And there's no guarantee that that's obviously going to happen. Um, but I think the the bigger point of of that text was uh, it needs time. All of this needs time. It doesn't happen overnight, like you said. Uh, the 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 instant gratification, and you know talking about the playoffs. Uh, I remember talking to somebody um, who had been part of the Patriots, right, uh, and, and is now here with the Raiders, and, and they were pointing out the playoff team in 2021 of the Patriots with Mac Jones, you know, being being the quarterback. Um, and and they're like, you know, were we a playoff team? Yeah, you know, it, it said we went to the playoffs. They went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Patriots made the playoffs. But their definition of a playoff team, of a championship team, that team wasn't it. You know, they, they did well. They got to the playoffs. I think they got beat in the first round, um, you know, in, in, in the postseason. But in their mind, it was nice season, uh, but it wasn't what their standards ever really are uh, in New England. So if you're looking for, like, an equivalent of that, and not just because the Raiders made the playoffs that year too, and I think inside the Raiders building, especially as last season kind of moved on, they, 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 they started seeing some of the holes that might have been in, but, but that might have been there. Um, you know, in terms of how good is this team really? And they used uh, the team in, in New England in 2021 as an example of good team, made the playoffs. That was a really good accomplishment. But is that where the Patriots really want to be or have been? No, not at all. No, it's that standard of performance, right? You have to establish that. And to your point, it's it's that's either acceptable or it's not. And so it sounds like uh, it's not acceptable. That's not where they want to be long term. So that's a good thing, especially if you're a Raider fan. You got to wait a little longer but at least that's the right path, I think, to success. Okay, think. speaking of performance, you jump in. One of the stories around the NFL that is, is, is right at the top of the list for most people was Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell comes in, looked really good. Uh, I was most impressed. Yes, he was accurate. I mean, three balls he didn't complete. Two of those were dropped. So he would have been 17 of 18 maybe if they're not dropped. Yeah. But overall, Vinny, the decision-making process for a freshman coming in, I know he's a little bit older, but he comes in uh, as a rookie, I should say, not a freshman, and he comes in as a rookie, and I was just real impressed with his decision-making process, especially under pressure. 
Yeah, and uh, again, that's a continuation of what Aiden's been doing uh, throughout training camp. You know, has it been perfect? No, of course not. You know, this is the NFL. The, the the other players are trying to win jobs and you know getting get ready for a season. They're really good, is the bottom line. Um, so it hasn't always been perfect, uh, but you know, I I remember I, I think I tweeted something last week about how really impressive Aiden's been to the people that matter. Um, you know, with the Raiders and just me watching him, I felt like he's had a really good camp. Um, especially for a rookie quarterback, especially where he was drafted. And, you know, there was a little bit of pushback. And I guess some people had reported that he was struggling. And, I, you know, I just have to say, and nothing against anyone who wrote that, but if, if that's the takeaway that you had watching um, Aiden during training camp, it's just wrong. <laughs> you know, it's, it's inaccurate. <laughs> um, and and that's just the bottom line uh, of it. And I think that on, on Sunday he kind of showed – uh, what what I've been seeing uh, in training camp, and and I know what the Raiders have felt really good about, and it goes beyond just sometimes what you see, you know, on the field. It was nice for Aiden to actually, you know, transfer it to the grass the way he did. But you know, when you're when you're looking at the full picture of Aiden Connell and why the Raiders are so excited about him, it's it's that part of it, the playing part of it. It's how he is in the locker room. It's also how he is in the classroom, and you know, the questions that he asks, and uh, how how you know, well, he's grasped this offense. It's not an easy offense uh, to, to command. Um, and he's not there yet by any stretch of the imagination. He's got a long way to go with this offense. But everything that they put on his plate, um, he seems to absorb pretty well and digest pretty well. And they're able to then move on to something else and further and, you know, more and more. And that's going to be the, con- the, the process, um, you know, as it, as it continues to play out. But but so far, so good for, for Aiden O'Connell. And I think um, you know, we'll see what, what, what happens. He's got a long way to go just to show that he could be uh, a backup to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the preference within the Raiders is that that happens sooner rather than later. They're not going to force it by any means. Uh, but if they feel uh, that, that he's ready to assume that kind of a role, if Jimmy G were to go down, I think that they would be, um, you know, ringing bells if at that point Aiden, Aiden O'Connell was, was, you know, in a, in a position to be able to go in there uh, and help them win some games, especially if there's games that need to be won. You right. know that makes that would make it even uh, better for them. Um, you know now if they're in a position where, you know, all is lost. You know whether he's ready or not. Maybe you just get him out there um, to uh, to to you know see what you have and you know to to uh, help expedite his process. But I think preferably what they want to see if Jimmy G were to go down uh, is that Aiden, whatever the circumstances might be, whether there's something still to be played for or not. Uh, that he's going to be ready to go out there and acquit himself pretty well. Well, especially, I mean, listen, I think I to your point about long game again, they're, they're not going to try to rush the kid, but if he progresses at the rate he is, that's huge bonus for this team because, like you said, nobody wants Jimmy Garoppolo to get hurt. We hope he doesn't get right. hurt, but at the same time, you look at history, right? So you figure, hey, even if it's one or two games or three games, whatever it is, if this kid's ready to go and playing as well as he is, that's a plus. I know you got Brian Hoyer there, too, in case, but clearly this is a homegrown talent you want this kid to develop, and who knows what can happen when you do that. Um, go to running back. Now, of course, the Josh Jacobs thing, I still say he'll be there week one. Uh, he's a smart kid i don't think he gives up 10.1 million dollars but uh in the meantime zamir white's getting the carrying time he had a, i think a pretty good first i mean very good first drive yesterday fell off a little bit he showed a little bit of what he can be good at i think but at the same time if you're trying to hold him to the josh jacobs standard it's not going to hold up really well talk about what you've seen from him so far in practice and in the game and sort of what his role might be even if josh jacobs is back 
Yeah, um, and you know, uh, looking back to, to yesterday's game, uh, what's you know, it's tough for running backs in the preseason because uh, generally speaking, you know, you're going to get your six, seven, eight carries or whatever, and then it's the next guy's turn, you know, and uh, and and that's that. So, you know, so people like Josh Jacobs uh, kind of embodies this, but there's a rhythm to running back, you know, mm-hmm. where you kind of get settled in and you start getting. Uh, your legs under you and the feel for the game and the feel for the defensive line. And, uh, you know, the more your offensive line is getting some push, the, the the more the game goes on and there's maybe some fatigue setting in with the defensive line, the better off you are. So um, for, for Zamir, I felt like he was on track if he had played the entire game to having a pretty nice game. I, I would imagine that if they handed the ball 18 times, he would have probably ended up with some pretty good numbers uh, in that game just by getting into a flow and all those types of things. Um, but to, to, to answer your question, uh, I think that even if or when I should say Josh Jacobs, you know, returns uh, to the Raiders, I think you're going to see a bigger role uh, for Zamir White. I think the Raiders, you know, when you look at the amount of carries that that, uh, you know, that Josh had last year and credit him for staying healthy, credit him for you know handling that load and, and just being spectacular uh, last year. I don't know if that's. Um, a model that the Raiders want to continue to, to you know, follow. Mm. I think they'd rather limit maybe his carries, not limit, but but reduce some of those carries to keep him fresher throughout games, throughout the season. Uh, and also, you know, they're, they're going to have to at some point prepare for life without uh, Josh Jacobs, that, which could happen as early as the end of this season. Now, maybe they, right. they work together and, and put something together in terms of a long-term contract, but that's no guarantee. So it kind of behooves the Raiders at some point to figure out, all right, you know, what do they really have? Uh, in Zamira White, and the only way you're going to learn that is by getting him extended action. And maybe that can satisfy, you know, uh, two objectives. One, keeping Josh Jacobs fresh throughout games, throughout the season, and the other, uh, being able to get a better handle on what Zamira White's all about. Right, and, and we've we've been talking about the running back market in the NFL for the last month, and we know what it is. And then you look at history of what the Patriots did and the system and how they used running backs, and it's pretty clear that you have to start planning for life without Josh Jacobs. As great of a player, as great of a young man as he is, you have to start thinking about that. Staying on offense, Vinny, before we move to the defense, the right side of the offensive line, still a little bit in flux. We saw some change-ups, which is what these games are for, to try guys out, see how it works. We saw Mumford at right tackle. We saw Luminor at right guard. Um, right now, what's your read on where that might be going? Or do you really believe McDaniels and his staff are still trying to find the right mix there? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily about finding the right mix anymore. It's, hey, if there's ready to go, uh, and he's the, uh, the better option, um, that's that's a good problem to have. And, and I don't think it's anything against Jermaine Illuminar whatsoever. And I'm not saying that Jermaine's going to lose his job because he could very well be the starting right tackle when it's all said and done. But you want guys to push other guys for starting jobs, and you know they drafted Thayer for a reason, um, and they 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 feel pretty pretty good about him. So uh, that's a good problem to have. Uh, again, and I kind of want to stress this: I don't think it's you know uh, anything that Jermaine's not doing, um, and I don't think that's why there's uh, an open competition over there at right tackle. I just think that Thayer Munford is making a a major push for the job, and and you know we've seen. With injuries and things like that, it's always good to have as many good players as possible. So, and maybe Jermaine, if if there, you know, can can win that job. Maybe Jermaine becomes sort of that super sub. Maybe he does move to right tackle, although I don't think he really wants to do that. Uh, but you know, maybe the super uh, super role, super sub role fits him well, or maybe he just responds to the challenge and steps up and and holds him off. Uh, either way, I think it's actually a really good problem for the Raiders. 
It is. I mean, depth is always a good thing. You got to have it in the NFL. There is attrition, right? So you have to be prepared for that. On the defense, here's what I got really excited about. You talked about the pressure this team put on San Francisco during practice and then, of course, in the game on Sunday up front. You're talking about Isaac Rochelle. You're talking about Jordan Willis, Adam Butler. These guys really got after it. I saw sort of an, an energy and an intensity we see it with Max Crosby every single down, right? But to see these guys play that well up front that quickly, and you've been watching it for weeks, how impressed were you with that? And what does that say about that competition up front on the defensive line? Yeah, and uh, again, another another really good problem to have because I think what the Raiders ultimately want to get to this year is is to have you know, a good group of seven, maybe even eight um, mm. defensive linemen that are rotating in, sort of taking a page out of the Philadelphia Eagles who had, you know, not to say that they're going to be that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that <laughs> but something along those lines where you can go seven, eight deep uh, and, and feel good about, you know, that eighth guy, that seventh guy. Uh, and don't forget about Nesta Jade Silvera, Byron Young. I felt like played, played yes. uh, a good game for, for his first time out. Neil Farrell uh, had some moments. Matthew Butler was out there uh, as well. So, you know, kind of sneaky under the radar. I know uh, a lot of fans have complained about, you know, what the Raiders have or haven't done uh, defensively. But if you've really been paying attention, you know, they've, they've invested a lot of draft picks the last couple of years in the defensive line. And they've all, all of a sudden gone away now from, um, well, it, it depends on these young players stepping up and, and, and you know, uh, justifying their, their places on the roster. But if it does, if they do, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're moving away from those one-year deals that they continually have had to do to keep filling the guys that last year were on one-year deals and weren't yeah. that good or had to move on. You know, you look at now six, seven guys that are 27 and under, uh, that are under contract control for the next, you know, for, for foreseeable future. Uh, that's, a, that's a nice um, foundation that you can start building and being able to count on to stay together and to build cohesion and, and chemistry uh, and sort of be one of the rocks uh, of this team. Again, it's all predicated on Tyree and Byron Young and Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler. Obviously, um, you know, uh, Max Crosby, that's that that's a given. Nessa Jade Silvera, uh, some of these some of these young players just being able to, to really show that they belong. But if that's the case, then you look at that defensive line and it, it's a pretty good situation. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to hit on those middle round players, right? That's where you do it. That's where some of your bread and butter is. And you have to manage the payroll. You got to do all that stuff. So you got to hit on some of those guys. And it sure looks like some of these guys are going to play hard, compete with each other, which is great for the for the Raiders. On the defensive backside, Jacorian Bennett's a guy that we talk a lot, Mo and I do here, really like what he's been able to do. You know, th- that unit on Sunday, I thought, did a really great job. Um, most of the time of wrapping up, yes, they weren't always necessarily uh, attacking the ball but that's okay you have to you have to technically get into the right sound position and it looks like that that mix and the competition there as well is going to make this team better how do you think about that unit overall and how they look so far uh through at least uh, the first couple weeks of camp yeah um just better and deeper you know and you know you start talking about the starters and marcus peters and nate hobbs and i think jacorian's gonna ultimately win that other perimeter cornerback position. Duke Shelley, who's had a nice couple of days against the 49ers, should have had that interception, obviously, uh, yesterday. He felt terrible about it. David Long, um, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's, we'll see about uh, Brandon, Brandon Faison. Uh, Amik Robertson, you know, uh, played well last year and, and, and has continued uh, sort of his growth. Tyler Hall, uh, people don't really talk about him that much, but that guy's a good football player. 
Uh, and I just, what is that? Six guys that I just six named? Guys, yeah. Six guys, yeah. I just named Sam Webb, who had the interception yes. uh, yesterday. Um, you know, these are, and you talk about guys like Long's played in big games. You know, he's mm-hmm. been in the Super Bowl. You don't have to say anything about Marcus Peters. That That's, you know, uh, the, the name says it, says it all. Uh, so all of a sudden you start starting. When I think of Nate Hobbs, Jacorian Bennett, and Marcus Peters as your starting cornerbacks, that's it's easy to get excited about that that yeah. trio right there. And then on top of that, you got guys like Tyler Hall, you got guys like Brandon Faison, um, you know, and David Long and Duke Shelley as as your rotational guys, your nickel dime package guys. That's pretty good too. And I, I can't, I don't remember a time covering this team when there's been that kind of length uh, in the cornerback room, uh, that kind of experience. I think I counted when you throw in a Brandon Faison uh, in there, I think I counted 70 some odd starts, 250 some odd games played uh, amongst just the res- guys that are projected right now to be sort of those reserve players. I, yeah. The Raiders haven't had that kind of experience um, at that part of their depth chart in a long, long time. And, and that's like gold. Uh, and you can see that all those guys kind of know what they're doing. You know, it's not a hope and a prayer you know, um, for, from the coaching staff, uh, hoping that all of these guys and how many times you go back to 2020 and how young that cornerback room was and, and really, you know, almost ever since. Uh, but now when you when you could say, oh, yeah, Brandon Faison's, you know, one of the one of the key reserves, David Long Jr., who's played in the Super Bowl, Duke Shelley, who's played a lot of football. Uh, that's 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 a, a marked difference from what we've seen with the Raiders for, for some time now. Absolutely. Vinny, well, listen, man, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. We'll catch up with you in the regular season. Make sure you read Vinny, Las Vegas Review Journal. I'll follow him on Twitter, too. He is not a Twitter psychic, though, so take that for what it's worth. But he is there. He answers your questions. That's what I respect, Vinny. Even people who like to come after you, you always engage them. You try to make them smarter by teaching them a little bit or explaining what you're talking about. So that's certainly nice. Not everybody appreciates it, but we certainly do. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate you being here. That's all you can do. All right. Thank you. We're going to step aside for a break here on Silver and Black today. When we come back, we'll get back to talking Raiders. The Raiders Rams practices this week in Los Angeles, you're watching Silver and Black today. You might be listening to us, too, if you're on YouTube. Thanks for joining us as well. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 